Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Becca Ribbing is a coach and the author of the recently released book, The Clarity Journal. She's also on a mission to help people break out of the cycles of uncertainty and struggle that held them back. And you know, this is a key area for people who are looking to be braver at work, because oftentimes the reason we're not brave is because we are stuck in this cycle of uncertainty and struggle. Do I say something? Do I not say something? So I'm assuming we'll be chatting with Becca about that in our conversation today. So if you find yourself constantly going back and forth about what to do next, Becca can help. You don't have to stay stuck. It's her job to help you break out of decision fatigue, create a strong plan, and move uh, forward powerfully. Hello, Becca. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. And I just did a very light introduction of you. And I'm just wondering if you could spend a couple of minutes telling our listeners a little bit more about you know what you do and how you interact in the marketplace. Yeah. So uh, I wrote the Clarity Journal. I, it actually came from a moment of decision from my own life. I had just had a my second child. And you know, when you have two kids, evidently, it's a lot more work than one. And so I was trying to figure out how to do it all, right? And figure out like where I wanted to go. Because I also had hit a point in my career where I was no longer being challenged. And it's so funny, because I'd been a coach for a very long time. And one of my friends I was going back and forth with her about it. And she stopped me and said, Hey, you're a coach. What would you tell yourself to help you get through this? And that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I went and I wrote down all of the questions I could think of that I asked my clients. And as I was writing them down, I was becoming more and more clear. I was becoming more and more clear about what was working for me, as well as things that I had let go about myself, uh, namely actually writing. And I just really became more clear as I was working through the journaling prompts. And so I decided that was going to be my first book. Fantastic. Well, I am sure that it can be a huge help to people who you know, are caught in a kind of a struggle of uncertainty and trying to figure out what to do next. And this is very typical of people who find themselves needing to be brave at work. And I, I love that question your friend asked you, because oftentimes if somebody says, you know, I have this really tough situation at work, I don't get along with my boss, what do I do? 
And I'm a coach, right? And so a great question to say is, well, if you were a coach or you are a coach or whatever it might be, what would you tell a client, right? And sometimes they'll know right away. Sometimes they have to think about it a little bit. You got to give them space to figure it out what works for them. But, you know, I would not give them the answer until they came back and said, well, if I were my own client, this is what I would suggest doing. And then I'd say, well, how would that feel? Right. I mean, would that work for you? And, you know, oftentimes they'll say yes. And hey, mission solved. I didn't even have to give you a tip or an idea. So I suspect that's a little bit about what you experience and what you're talking about as you really enter uh, information in a journal. Yeah, totally. And I think that sometimes being asked questions that make you think outside of the way you've been thinking about the problem already really helps expand your toolbox of figuring out what you want next. Like sometimes we ask ourselves the same question over and over again, almost like repetitively on a loop. And I find that like when I talk to people, a lot of times they've been telling themselves, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want. They're not even asking the question, what do I want to do? They're just telling themselves over and over again, I don't know what I want to do. And when I'll get them on the phone or on Zoom, as soon as they get all of that out, like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, then, and I start asking questions, then they start actually becoming more and more aware that they knew more than they thought they did. Um, I find that people who tell me they don't know what they want, by the time I get to half an hour in talking to them, they're really just trying to decide between two and th two or three things. And they may not even really realize it, but their brain's noodling on it and they just needed someone to help focus them. I'm sure you have that same experience. Oh, I'm shaking my head because I tell clients all the time when I host a webinar or are talking about a particular topic at a meeting that they have the answers. Every time I do these sessions and I say, okay, we're going to break you up into small groups and answer this question, you come back with the answers, right? It wasn't anything I told you. And this is one of the reasons I love doing that type of facilitation because it helps them not only find the answer, but recognize they knew it, right? It's just something about getting asked, tell me what you think, or you know, what is your approach? And you can start talking about it. But it is so interesting, Becca, how uncurious we can be from time to time. It's almost as if, and I think if you're like any other person who grew up in America, uh, you were always expected in high school and college to have the answer, right? You weren't expected to not know something. You were always expected to know the answer. And so I think that has dripped over into our professional life where we now think we have to have the answer and curiosity may be perceived as a weakness. But I will tell you that it's such a great way to know more about what the person's thinking and why they're thinking it and where they're coming from, that your answers are going to be better. Right. Well, and I think along that same metaphor, when we're in college, asking for help is cheating. You know, you can't like turn to your neighbor and say, hey, what's the answer for number four? <laughs> and so I think we've gotten very used to thinking that that answer needs to come from within us based off of all of our own research. Whereas talking to a friend can help break you out of that cycle. Talking to a coach can help break you out of the cycle. And it's part of it's the collaboration. Part, like you were saying that like they have the answer within them. They do, but a lot of times they need the collaboration to be able to fully form that picture. They need to be able to articulate it. And sometimes articulating it is in the form of a journal, but sometimes articulating is just literally in the form of talking to someone who is both sympathetic, but also not going to let you stay stuck, not let you stay where you are. Right. And you know, I don't know why I'm not a sociologist, so I haven't studied this. 
why we are not raised and why we don't recognize the value of curiosity. And it's it's such a I'll call it a bad habit, but you know it's such something. It's such it is such something that we so often do, which is as we're asked a question or if you're at a meeting, you're expected to have the answer. And rather than saying to the boss, you know, gee, that sounds interesting. Where did that come from? You know, why are you thinking that? You know, what other thoughts have you had on this topic? What we don't do any of that. We either have to say, yep, sounds good. You know, I'll do it, or move on, right? But we just don't spend enough time, and maybe that's one of the factors which is people perceive that it might be time consuming. And in today's corporate environment, things move very, very, very quickly. And we don't have time to pause and ask questions. And, and hence, I think we stumble a lot in respect to moving forward. Yeah. Well, and I think along those lines, too, we really we need to act like we know everything. I find this a lot in job interviews. I've actually started for actually been doing this for a while. When I am coaching clients who are about to try to go on job interviews, I always say, if you don't know an answer to something, tell people how you would go about getting the information. Because I find a lot of times in job interviews, people will ask very specific questions to their company that no matter how much research you had done, you're not going to come up with a good enough answer. And it's been really interesting since I've started telling people that I've gotten so much feedback from my clients where the, the person interviewing will stop and be like, wow, I've asked this question a hundred times you're right. Like, here's some background information about like, how would you change my business plan? Well, I, I'd have to see your business plan or your marketing <laughs> plan to know what I would change about it. Like, here's how the steps I would go through to really clarify what it is that's working and isn't working. And, and I think that sometimes we just get so in that loop of, I need to know everything. I need to prove I need to know everything. I need to be the smartest kid on the block that we forget that you know, if you're fudging it, you actually don't really sound like you know what you're doing. No, people will know when you're dancing. So, uh, but you know, you mentioned something that we have talked about with other guests in the past, which has to do with uh, seniority in organizations. And it is one of the reasons why our likelihood for being brave with a president or a senior vice president is less because there's this perception that the higher they are in the organization, the more they know. And who am I to tell somebody that something that they're doing could be done differently or isn't having the impact they hoped it would have? And so I avoid saying it because they're senior, right? They're the president. And yet I guarantee you, if we had presidents here with us today, you know, they would laugh and say, you know, Ed, I don't have all the answers. I wish I had people who came up to me and said, hey, I don't know if this is the best strategy or tell me more about why you thought that. Uh, you know, is that something that you've seen and have experienced? Definitely, because whoever's in charge really only has five minute snippets with any division. So they don't have the whole picture. They're a lot of times running off of gut. And so if you don't present the information and be able to back it up, that will help the company move forward, then you're really, you're not helping anybody. And honestly, if it fails, you might be the one blamed anyway. <laughs> you know, like I think right, that's the right. thing that I really get into. It's like, you're scared about putting yourself forward, but if you continue along this path, you're going to be the one blamed regardless. So really, what did you have to lose? Right, right. I, I see, I've seen it happen in my own career in respect to people that I've worked with. I have felt it. You know, it was very hard to tell a president or a senior leader something a little bit different than, differently than what they were doing because, uh, you know, my 
belief about its receptivity was marginal. So I just didn't think they would listen or like that I did that. And so it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And I'm wondering, Becca, as you think about bravery in the workplace, as you think about clients you've worked with uh, and the work that you're doing, are there any words or phrases that come to mind when you think about bravery at work? So one of the things that really comes to mind is this article I had read. I mean, it must have been at least six years ago. It was about uh, women in the Obama administration. And the article basically was talking about how a bunch of the senior leadership in the Obama administration had made a pact with each other to support each other in meetings and to make sure to actually use their name. So a lot of times women will experience a thing where a guy will end up acting like an idea that she had said half an hour ago is his idea. And so the idea was to get all of the women together and really work together to make sure that they each are recognized. So they would be like, as Sally said earlier today. And so I think bravery in the workplace is fantastic, but I think also recognizing that you will be braver in groups and finding the group of people that are going to help you be brave and finding your support, because it is really hard to go up to a CEO and say, hey, I think this really needs to change. However, if you feel like you have two or three people behind you that are also articulating what you think behind you, then it really helps you both feel more secure. You're not putting yourself completely out there, but just more supported and strong within yourself because I think it is hard to be brave when we don't feel strong. Absolutely. And you know, I love that recommendation that you're making. I'm a huge fan of a person's name. And if you can picture yourself walking down the hall of a company and here comes the president and you say, you know, good morning, Becca. And he says, hey, how are you? That's much different than we're walking down the hall and I say, hey, Becca. And he says, hey, Ed. I mean, just the fact that the person knew my name, even if they have no idea what I do at the company, but they <laughs> tells me that that person remembers me, right? If right. they say, hey, how are you? How's it going? Or even if they're friendly about it, they still haven't said, hey, Ed. And right. I think that, and that's so true at meetings as well. That's such a great piece of advice, which is if you're looking to help others be braver, use their name. Great idea, Sally. Thank you, Becca. Right. Use their name because it helps elevate them, I think, in some ways that they're being recognized at meetings. Right. Oftentimes at meetings, when some people are over talking, you feel yourself getting smaller and smaller because these people are taking over the meeting. And, the, you know, meetings are great places to identify ways to be braver. Yeah. Well, and I think that also identifying ways in which you feel like you are losing your power and where you aren't strong enough, it becomes easier to be brave when you are focused on working on things that you feel like that naturally end up taking away your power. So that way you can work on those too. I'm, I'm thinking very specifically about people pleasers. I, I, I coach a lot of people pleasers who end up hating their job because they get a hundred assignments. They never say no. I mean, it's hard to say no, but you can push back. Like I'm not going to be able to finish that in the time at the quality level you want. Like you can say that and working through someone who is a people with a people pleaser. A lot of times they just want a new job and that's fine. I can help them find a new job, but I always tell them I can get you a new job, but if you don't, 
work on this within yourself, if you don't become braver, if you don't come, become stronger, you are just going to be stuck in a cycle because three months later, your boss is going to know you say yes to everything and they're just going to naturally give you more, too much work. I just saw an article on LinkedIn listing the 10 or 15 things that people who are in control of or feel more in control of their day do. And the one I saw today, maybe coincidentally, maybe not, is they, they don't always say yes to everything, right? That they say exactly what you're saying. And this is another example of bravery at work because sometimes you're asked to do something and because you're trying to be a good soldier or uh, feel as though you're helping people, you say yes, but you don't realize that you're a limited asset. So the more you do, the less you can do of other things and the work quality of those items might uh, suffer. And so it's really important that you say to somebody, hey, this sounds really exciting. I would love to help you. You know, right now I don't have the time or ability to do it. Can you come back in a couple of months? If they say yes, great. So let's pick a time now and let's talk about it. If something happens in between, come see me again. But, you know, let's do that and I'm happy to help you. If they say no, I believe the next step would be, well, let me then find somebody else who can help you. Right. You always want to be a a, a helper of things moving forward, right? You don't always say to people, nope, can't help you because that's that's not helping, right? But hey, let me find you somebody else or maybe go talk to Becca. I think she would be a great person to help you on this. But you know, these are such great lessons that we're talking about, Becca, to help people be braver at work. One is curiosity and being bold enough and brave enough to say, hey, before we move forward, I have some questions. Okay, right. Ask, right. I want you to understand, right. But for whatever reason, we just don't do this enough. You know, the second is I love using names. You know, it's a great way to show support of others, which is to use their name in meetings or if you see them in the hallway. I know some people remember names and some don't. And, you know, the show isn't about memory, but, uh, you know, it's important to try to remember as many names as you can of people that you uh, you work with. You know, those are great, great things to show and uh, and talk about. And then the last thing I just wanted to mention uh, when you're talking about meetings, uh, Amy Cuddy is a professor at Harvard and she talks about body language as a sign of bravery and presence at meetings. Right. That the way you sit tells people whether you're engaged in the meeting or not or not engaged and you should sit in a very you know, forward facing appropriate way and not, you know, leaning back with your hands behind your head and your feet stretched out, et cetera. So, you know, these are all things that people might think about doing in order to be braver at work. It's so funny when you said that, I felt myself naturally sit up straighter. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Sometimes even saying things can help people uh, recognize their role or their, uh, you know, influence in what it is that they're doing and help them alter it and change it a little bit. Any other words or phrases that you might think of, Becca, when you think about bravery at work? So far, you've had some great suggestions and ideas for our listeners on how to think a little bit about what they could do differently in order to be more effective. You know, it's so funny. I never thought I'd ever talk about this on a work-oriented podcast, but there is a very popular children's book that's very popular in schools, and it's called Have You Filled Your Bucket Today? And it's all about like each kid has their own little bucket and you can either be filling other people's bucket or trying to take away from their bucket, like being a bully or whatnot. And I think that what we were talking about really reminded me of that because if you are filling other people's bucket at work, like if you are actually like actively engaging with them and seeking solutions, then 
you're inevitably also going to get stronger and stronger and but to do it from a place where you're not people pleasing where you are actually consciously and strongly using names asking the tough questions it becomes easier it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because as you build other people up within your team you're going to feel stronger too well we welcome all books on this podcast as well as children's books because sometimes they have the simplest suggestions right there's that famous uh, business book called i can't remember the name but you know everything i learned in kindergarten is still true or whatever right that's where that's where we learn some of the most basic behaviors that the world has somehow confused because of politics and biases and agendas and now it's way too confusing than it was back when i was in high school and uh you know i love that you know another question similar to that that I heard uh, when people are dealing with situations that are difficult, which is what is the best I can do in this situation? So here's the situation, whether I wanted it or not, or like it or not, this is the situation. What's the best I can do? Who can I help? What can I say? Right. You know, it's a great frame for your mind to help you ensure that you're not getting stuck in the mire of politics and agendas and relationships. But, you know, what's the best I can do? I love the, you know, how can I fill someone else's bucket? Uh, I think that's a great question that you should ask yourself every morning. I love that. I really love that. I'm actually like sitting here like, oh, like as a mom and as someone who works, like what's the best I can do is just, I felt like a, a weight off of my chest. Okay. Am I doing the best? Yes. Like realistically. <laughs> right. Yeah. Best. Always realistically. We're not talking yeah. uh, Hollywood movie type uh, right. behavior, but realistically, well, look, uh, by. 200 copies of that children's book and send it out to your clients for Christmas. Becca, it was great, great chatting with you today. What are some ways that folks can get in touch with you? You can get in touch with me on my website. It's BeccaRibbing.com. So B-E-C-C-A-R-I-B-B-I-N-G. And I, my Clarity Journal is on Amazon. And you can get in touch with me on social media at Becca Ribbing as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing some ideas that I think can be very helpful to our listeners. Thank you so much. This was great. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800 800- 222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.